You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner, and I am so thrilled you're joining me today. This episode is brought to you from Ahava Theatre Company. Ahava Theatre Company recently launched their educational program with several classes meeting virtually for the time being. They are offering two free experiences, weekly write-in with prompt for folks 18 and up, and Jewish story time for children and families. On March 25th, Ahava will host two special events. Baconosh with Lisa Gray, where you'll learn how to make a flourless chocolate cake and Passover playmaking with Mara Jill Herman, where kids 6 to 14 will speak text and learn songs from the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. To learn more, please visit ahavatheater.com. That's A-H-A-V-A theater with an R-E at the end, dot com. Or register directly on Eventbrite and use the code AHAVA20. That's A-H-A-V-A-20 for a 20% discount as a thank you for being part of their initial launch. Now, let's begin the episode. If you're joining me, you either love Alex Wise or you're a theater creative and multi-hyphenate. I can't believe we're 40 episodes in, but it's never too late to be reminded. So what is a multi-hyphenate? Well, a multi-hyphenate is an artist who has multiple proficiencies that cross-pollinate to help flourish professional capabilities. My hyphens are actor, photographer, producer, writer, and, you guessed it, podcaster. Now, I start each episode with a new segment called... You got a question? I take a question asked by a listener and answer it on air. If you'd like me to have your question answered on air, feel free to contact me on social media at the Michael Kushner or at Dear Multi-Hyphenate. Yeah, you might as well just follow anyway because, you know, I give you exclusive content just for you. So this question is from Heather A. Should my daughter go to college for theater and what is the difference between a BA and a BFA? Well, I love this question and it's perfect timing because... This is the start of college search time for a lot of rising seniors in high school. So I wanted to talk about this. I got my BFA from Ithaca College, and I absolutely loved my experience. I studied musical theater, and I I, I really just had a fabulous time. I got to study abroad. Uh, I learned alternative, off-the-beaten-path sorts of ways to approach performing and acting, uh, I really had a lovely time. That being said, I'm a lucky one. You know, college, studying theater in college is not for everyone, and uh, unfortunately, you don't really know until you try. So uh, college programs can be very expensive, um, and scholarships are dependent on the school. So there are some programs that cost, you know, $30,000 a year, and other programs that cost $70,000 a year. So what can you afford? You know, this is the this is the sort of issue I have with college, um, with studying musical theater, and that uh, it really requires a certain amount of privilege to get a theater degree because you have to fly out to schools to audition for them, uh, and that costs money. You have to apply to the schools, which costs money. Getting your audition cuts and your audition outfits it costs money. Even if you're sending in a video, you know, you have to have an iPhone and a computer and 
and edit it, it all costs money and it's all a very privileged experience. So I'm really hoping that uh, educators really start focusing on making the college search easier for everyone involved. But what is the difference between a BA and a BFA? A BA, a Bachelor of Arts, is a more uh, general perspective of theater. You can, you know, take acting classes, yes, but you can also, uh, you know, uh, take stage management studies or design studies, and um, it's a more general view. But the BFA, the Bachelor of Fine Arts, is usually a more concentrated view. Uh, usually you'll see a BFA in musical theater or a BFA in acting. You will also see BAs in acting or BAs in musical theater. I mean, really, it's it's just up, up to the college's experience. So this, you know, no answer is the right answer for every single experience. But uh, if you're looking for a more concentrated theatrical experience of studying, then you will want to go for the BFA, which also usually has a showcase at the end where the class, the graduating class, goes to New York or LA and performs for agents and managers, and some BAs have that. So you have to do your research, but that's the general difference. I think college, everyone should go to college, everyone should try to go to college. There are scholarships out there, but the process is long and difficult, and um, for many of you, it's starting now. So uh, if you ever need uh, any words of encouragement or or words of love, or you have any questions, you can always contact me because I've been through it. I work with people that have been through it. Uh, I am guest. I, I am a guest artist at many BFAs and undergrads, so I can um, give you the skinny right then and there. So please reach out, and I hope that helps. So thank you, Heather A., for asking a question and being featured on my new segment. <laughs> You got a question? <laughs> so if you got a question, please contact me at the Michael Kushner or at Dear Multi Hyphenate, both on Instagram, and I'll answer your question on air. Also follow me on TikTok at the Michael Kushner. Did you also know that I'm a contributing expert to backstage? Yeah. And speaking of colleges, my next article is about my showcase experience. You know what I was just talking about, uh, and why even though my showcase performance was awful, I still survived. So check it out. I'll be posting the link on Instagram at your multi hyphenate or go to backstage. Okay, you have been so very patient. I think it's time to bring on Alex. You know Alex Wise from Broadway productions such as Waitress, Spring Awakening, and Lysistrata Jones, and the tour of Wicked. His off-Broadway credits include Ride the Cyclone, Bear, and Triassic Park. His TV film credits include Marvel's Iron Fist, Masters of Sex, NCIS Los Angeles, The Bold and the Beautiful, Modern Family, Agent X, Switched at Birth, Bored to Death, and XY. He is a producer on What the Constitution Means to Me, and alongside Wes Taylor, he is the co-creator of the fabulous, fabulous Indoor Boys. Okay, maybe I'm a little biased because I'm the executive producer, but it really is fabulous. And uh, their creation of V.N. Cox's role, Lenora, received an Emmy nomination. And so today's quote is, Never be bullied into silence. Never allow yourself to be made a victim. Accept no one's definition of your life. Define yourself. Who said that? Honestly, I, I would have you guess, but um, I think it's all in the voice. And uh, it's Harvey Firestein. <laughs> I, I think it's that sounds like an Oprah Winfrey quote, but it's actually Harvey Firestein. So 
I'm sorry, I didn't have you guess. Alex, I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Michael. Hi. I, I gotta say, I, I'm sad that you didn't do the voice. Well, let's see if I can do it again. Hold on one second. Okay. Never be bullied into silence. Nope, that's not good. That just hurts my chords. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty good. I, I'm impressed. <laughs> Was it at? See, Harvey, I mean, like, that's, you know, what I love to talk to clients about is like Harvey, you know, people are worried about uh, being pristine and perfect and, you know, coming out of their BFA programs like everyone else. And uh, look at Harvey, for instance, who has this thing that gets him recognized and hired. And he has this these these dimensional qualities to him. And he is not like anyone else. I mean, we're sitting here talking about his voice, for God's sakes, and how that can decipher, you know, him from around from everyone else. And I feel that that about you, Alex, you know, I, I true, I, your, your voice, your point of view is so different from so many people our age. And I believe that is why you have such an incredible career that so many people look up to. Well, I mean, that's, that's really, thank you for saying that, you know, it's, um, it's nice to hear that when I don't often feel that way about myself, but you know, you know, it's funny. It's like when I was a kid, that makes me think about when I was a kid, I would have done anything to just be like a swoopy nosed Christian child in a Disney channel. Original movie is maybe the only thing that I wanted to be when I was young. I was just so dying to be like, homogenous and pretty looking and like and then when I got to school went to college I remember there was such a pressure from my faculty especially back things have certainly gotten better I think for um, theater students and for people of many different sexual identities gender identities racial identities um, and uh, I think though when I was in school the there was such a pressure it was like well I have to just be this like straight leading man who can do long day's journey into night because that is the ideal like if I'm not doing O'Neill and if I'm not doing the Arthur Miller greats and being serious then it's but it's, but it's so interesting that maybe the things if if anything's gotten me anywhere it's probably because I'm weird. And, and it's taken me a long time and I'm still working very hard on accepting those different parts of myself and celebrating those things instead of trying to homogenize myself and fit into the 13th year on the Disney channel. <laughs> luckily Irish for you. Your dream role is luckily Irish. Isn't that, isn't that incredible that we, the things that send us to therapy are the things that people pay to see us right? do? Like, I don't, you know, I, I, the singers I'm so obsessed with, they're these, um, these crazy individual sounding voices. No one else sounds like Barbara Streisand or Bernadette Peters, you know, these, these, of course, always female theater adjacent singers that I'm just obsessed with. No one else does the kinds of vocalisms that they do. But I spent so much time when I was in school trying to like sound like the standard american speaking but like screw that no like i it should be about being as weird and individual as you can be because no one's going to have your point of view as a creator as a person you know you're born into your body and your voice and with your crazy brain and you should celebrate all of its 
eccentricities and craziness. Hard thing to do. I'm still working on it all the time. Um, I still want to be in the 13th year on the Disney Channel. I still want to be a beautiful Christian boy who turns into a mermaid. <laughs> you are. You are my beautiful Christian boy who turns into a mermaid. <laughs> Thank you. And you are that to me. <laughs> well, I was hoping more along the lines of like Ethel Merman, but like, you know, sure. see, that's, see, your Christian boy was my, like, I wanted to be Ethel Merman. So, like, for some reason, that to me was the pinnacle of sexiness was Ethel Merman. Sure. Yeah, that's, sure. well, yeah, that, I mean, that all tracks. But also, you know, I, I'd say you were um, probably trying to um, emulate more, um uh, productive idols, and I mean productive in terms of turning you into your own unique voice instead of homogenizing you to be some like, you know, straight white leading man that I thought I was supposed to be when I was young. Exactly. I mean, you know, I had uh, being Jewish, you know, we are surrounded by storytelling, and that's part of our culture. And my mm. grandma, she, uh, she out in Long Island did um as part of the JCC out in Douglaston did illegal productions of Broadway musicals and they called them other things so fiddler on the roof was peddler on the stoop and uh, um funny girl was um forever fanny and uh and she, she did bye bye birdie and she told me about i think she was on a blood thinner so she got really skinny and she when well, she played may peterson and she told me that during one of the performances her mink coat was so heavy that she couldn't get up from the floor mm. after. And I said to myself, I want that. That's yeah, glamour no, that, to me. That's theater. That's theater right there. A coat so heavy that it just weighs you down with just years of oppression from your ancestors. I, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful image. And that's why Grizabella is one of my dream roles. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be very good. You'd be very, very good. Do you know about my cat's production in high school where um it cost forty four thousand dollars and it was set during World War Two. So uh it was in a bombed out cathedral and when the boot is supposed to drop during Jellicle Cats, a dud bomb fell. And we had pyrotechnics and on our final dress, Michaela Mancuso, Jenny Any Dots, was doing her top number, you know, da 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 da. Pyrotechnics go off, catches on fire. Thank you, my dears. Oh my god, that's uh, well, that's it's gay rights. That's gay rights. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> and gay rights was born, and she and she threw the first brick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Michaela yeah. Mancuso, thank you for your work. Yeah, thank you for your work. You know, I did a production of Godspell in high school where at the end, when Jesus, whom I played, was um, was uh, when Jesus was um, crucified. They projected um, videos of the Twin Towers falling. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. That was my that was my freshman year high school musical. You know what? I admire my theater teacher for just going there. She just went there. We and love a risk taker. She was a risk taker. She really, you know, she was she was pushing the envelope and she wanted to say something. What exactly that was, I'm not entirely clear in that instance. But I do have nothing but good things to say about my high school theater teacher who took a lot of risks and inspired me to do the same. And nominate her for Tony Educator of the Year. Perfect. <laughs> this night. Yeah. So speaking of high school, you yeah. know, I consider you um, 
I consider you such a strong multi-hyphenate in the industry. And what I like to say multi-hyphenate is, is an artist who has multiple proficiencies that cross-pollinate to help flourish professional capabilities. So in layman's terms, the proficiencies that we have all help each other exist. So therefore, we can be the actor, the photographer, the filmmaker, the writer, the this and the that all at the same time, which is different than multitasking. It's multi-hyphenating. Mm-hmm. So... Speaking of younger you, when did you realize that you had these proficiencies, that you wanted to practice these proficiencies, and that they would also influence your career? Well, I I don't think I had an idea that they would influence my career because all of this stuff seemed so big and so far away um, and like it was um, someone else's to do. Like, you know, I had no right that being said, so that was like a, some self-esteem issues that I had. But, um, but I will say from the time I was a little kid, I was doing all the things. I was a, I, I was a painter. I thought for a while I'd be a set designer. Then, of course, I was a magician, you know, because I have taste. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I was always an actor. I was always a singer. And I started um, maybe in, I don't know, middle school or something. I started writing too, because I just thought, I don't know why it just, it just felt like, well, I can, I can do that. I I can make a song sound like that, or I can, I want to make my own play. You know, I, I had a puppet theater and I would write shows for my puppet theater. So I was always thinking, I feel like I always had the same kind of creative impulse, but I was expressing it in different ways, depending on the year. So well, one year or many years that was all these oil paintings I was doing. And uh, for a while it was, um, I can write plays. And I, so I feel like then as I um, got older, I was just, and, and I would say this, that um, anytime I wasn't able to do one of the things, like say I wasn't in a show and I didn't have the outlet to perform, well, I could go in the basement and screw up my mom's carpet and paint more. Or, uh, <laughs> um and I think that kind of um, that kind of thought process um, continued throughout college. I, you know, my college was very unkind to me, and I did not get good casting for a long time. And you know, they told me I was trash all the time. You know, as good colleges do. And so I just kept break writing. it down and build you up. Yeah, exactly. You know, they did the break me down part really well, and then around graduation, they were like, "Oh, we forgot to build them up. Mm, we forgot to build them up." <laughs> He'll do it on his own. He'll give me fine. Um, so, so uh, yeah. So I, I was always um, writing. I started writing my own work um, because I thought, okay, you're not going to give me casting. I'm going to give myself casting. So I was writing my own stuff. Um, but really, it felt like it was out of necessity. I have to do this. I have to create something. And so I'm going to do it. I, I don't know what's going to happen with it. I don't know what doors are going to open or not open, but anytime one creative outlet was not allowed to express itself, I would turn my attention toward another one. So I would always have something going um, because I don't really feel good about myself in the day unless I'm making something. If I don't spend at least a few hours singing or writing or having a creative, productive conversation, like hopefully the one we're having right now, then I just don't feel like I've done something good with my life. So it's, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's just, uh, this habitual thing that keeps me going. Yeah. You're going to say. 
No, I feel the same way. I, you know, there's there's common denominators that I'm finding with with chatting with people about their experiences when the earliest memories of going, I like I like performing. I like writing. I like this. And they start young because it is, you know, the childlike wonder that is so important for us to not only start with and have when we're six, seven years old, because that's also, you know, when we remember our past lives and that's when we like see spirits and we're kind of like, who is that man in the corner and not judging it and not, you know what I mean? Things like that. We're so open, but having that childlike wonder travel with us, you know, you're saying go downstairs and mess up your mom's carpet. That is a great image, but it's also very true in terms of having a supportive environment to go, all right, go downstairs, make a mess. We'll clean it later, but just express yourself. And I had that with my mom, my grandparents, my, my whole entire family, really. I was just constantly being asked questions like, what did you learn in school today? What do you want to create today? Do you want to write a movie? And I wrote, because I was so obsessed with the Titanic, that my first grade teacher was like, you need to research another shipwreck because I can't handle this. <laughs> and so my, you know. So I came home and my grandma was like, what's that? And she was like, and I said, the Andrea Doria shipwreck. And she was like, oh, I remember it. And I was like, tell me, tell me what you remember in the news. And then we sat down and together we wrote a play about the Andrea Doria. And that was to understand that there's no one that can give us permission other than ourselves to sit down, write get the carpets messy and explore. Mm -hmm. I think one of the very best things that any kid can have who's a creative kid, and God, I hope that all creative kids have this, though I know they don't, is supportive parents who tell them that it's okay to keep making things. Um, I know sometimes that's hard to come by, but if it's not a parent, then I hope that whomever needs to find that can find that kind of yes person support in a teacher or a friend or a sibling or or a religious leader someone who tells them that it's okay to keep making things because that's one of the best things that a kid who is creative can have i was really lucky in that i had parents who who were driving me to rehearsal and and letting me screw up the carpet in their basement and um and and giving me places to go to keep um, um, having an artistic life, but I know that's not always easy to come by. One thing that I did often get as a kid that um, I feel is changing for the better now is people used to say to me, well, what do you want to be? Because you have to be one thing, right? It's a very like, I don't know. It's like a very heterosexual idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a very like capitalist heterosexual like that's what it feels like it's a very like a white idea but you don't have to be one thing you can keep reinventing yourself and uh, not to say that i'm like not gonna like suddenly uh, that i'm not like white i'm a white person um but do you know what i mean it's just like it's it's a very like there's one way to be and you must be this and the way to be is like what my college told me you must be the leading man who is the lead in like machinal or like whatever you know freaking german play they were doing that session um yep. 
about like, you know, whatever war torn country and I had to like, you know, pretend to be a hero and like, you know, whoever holds the gun the best is an actor. Um, that's not true. Um, you can, you can be just like, lots, <laughs> right. You can be lots and lots of things. You know, I, I thought I had to choose, do I want to be a set designer? Do I want to be a singer? Uh, do I want to be, do I want to be an amazing magician? Um, <laughs> um, yes. But the thing is, you know you, why? Because you've stolen my heart and you haven't made it reappear yet. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I think that uh, we can keep, um, if you're an artist, I think, I think the way that your art expresses itself can keep morphing. The way that um, you know, it's said that a person goes through many careers in their lifetime, but they can also all exist at once which now I think the world is a little more receptive to than the way it used to be, which was like, you are a producer and you shall only produce. I only think of you as producer. You may only be producer. That's just not how it is anymore. I've done producing. I've done writing. I've written music for a play. I have um, on one fateful afternoon been a dancer. I have... <laughs> um, I've, You've been a basketball player. I Unfortunately for many, I've been a basketball player um, in a show that I did once. So... I just think which I said front row center for. Oh, I well, I just think that we can allow ourselves to be whatever it is we feel we can be. We can be these like you don't have to fit in a binary, and I mean that in so many ways. I'm I'm discovering that more and more for myself. I love that the younger generations, especially, are discovering that more for for themselves, and we can all just kind of like go with the flow. And as long as you're I don't know. I think a life is well lived as long as you're making things and it doesn't have to fit into a box. It doesn't have to look like something that somebody else made. It, it can defy genre expectations and conventions. So that's the way that I try to think about it. And I just let myself kind of go with the waves with all of that. And it shows in your work. And, and that's the thing. That's sort of why I chose Harvey Firestein's quote at the beginning, because he is a queer creator. He is a queer multi-hyphenate performer, director, producer, writer. And, you know, the official uh, definition of what a multi-hyphenate is, which is very, it's very general, is a person, usually a celebrity, who does a lot of things. And I'm like, why does it have to be a celebrity? Why does <laughs> it have to, why does it, when we reach a certain you know, social status, is it okay to be able to produce things and write our own things, yada, 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 when a recent college grad has a story that they want to be in, but they also want to produce and they want to direct? What is the difference? And to me, there is none, especially in 2021, when we're in a pandemic, and we have to get our stories out, and no one is, no one's creating stories other than the people that have them, <laughs> and yeah. are willing to do them on their own. Yeah, we're two we're two gay creators and it's because our stories didn't exist really before we 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 created them. So like, yes, of course there are films that, you know, center on uh a gay uh uh personality, but they romanticize it or it's absolutely tragic you know like philadelphia or like right you know or, the bird yes yes or, or or um sorry to interrupt you when when it no. is when it is a great gay character i mean we are recording this on the day that james corden was nominated for a golden globe for the prom 
that to me feels really, really sad because that is one of the only uh, wonderful out gay roles played by a straight man in the, just the, one of the most offensive ways. Um, and I'm not going to be shy about saying that I'm not going to like, you know, I, I just don't care. Don't it's be. really, it's really like a deeply offensive performance. And one of the things that um, is inspiring me to keep writing. And so the, the only thing that's got me through this like horrifying pandemic that we're all in is that I'm trying to give myself a task of doing something creative every day. I've ended up doing a lot of writing during this time. And so I feel very fortunate that I've um, given myself the space and the, and I, then that I have the mindset for it. And it's just, that's been happening for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to the creativity gods that they're allowing that space for me. But one of the big things that, that, um, inspires me to write is wanting to counteract the James Corden in the proms of the world. I want to do away with that. I want that gone. I want that banished. And I want more stories, not only for queer characters, I want more stories for um, women who aren't um, young, sexy ingenues. So those two big things of groups that feel so deeply underrepresented to me are the things that make me want to write every day. I feel that the best way I can be a social um, advocate is through my writing. Um, and, and I hope, I pray that one day all these things that I've been working on with Wes Taylor, I'm writing with Ben Fankhauser, um, I, I'm really uh, hoping that these things can inspire some change in the world, even in tiny, tiny ways. I just want to tell stories that I'm not seeing all the time. That as much as I wanted to emulate the 13th year, I so badly want to write something that is about the 14th year when he came hey. out of the closet. <laughs> you know, I, I just I just want there to be more stories told by the people who should be telling them. People who uh, are disabled, people who are not just white, people who yeah, just people who are queer, people who are living outside of the gender binary. People who are not, um, who are not only, yeah, women who have been told by the industry that they are no longer useful. Like these are all people whose stories should be front and center. And so I'm doing what I can to, in in my own very small, small way right now, to um, make a difference. And even if it's just between me and my computer and my writing partner at this moment. I pray one day it isn't because that's how I want to make a difference in the world. And that's what drives me to do it. Incredible words from you, Alex. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to pick up with a few questions regarding what you're writing now, Indoor Boys, collaboration, all that good stuff. And we're back. <laughs> and what a break it was. And what a break it was. I uh, What was I able to do? I was able to um, work out a little bit. And by work out, I mean climb a flight of stairs. I love and, it. Uh, and I, what did I, you do during the break? I traveled the world by blimp. Wow. The yeah. most, you know, it's it's apparently 1937 and, and you hopped the Hindenburg. How was it? Oh, it was just fabulous. The view, the view. So the, Oh, the humanity. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello. Isn't that wild? Isn't it wild that, like, in 1937, literally a, a German airship crossed the pond from 
from Germany with swastikas on it and just blew up over New Jersey. You know, <laughs> really what's changed, I would ask? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed, you know. So you're talking about a really incredible uh point of view of giving life to women that the industry has deemed unusable at this time Mm -hmm. Uh, and in one way you got an incredible like you got an emmy nominee for someone that you wrote a character for and that's vian cox and because of indoor boys she has an emmy nomination We've worked on together an Emmy-nominated show, and it's one of the highlights of my personal career. So, you know, we've, we know how Indoor Boys has gotten started, you know, all that jazz. But what have you learned from Indoor Boys? And what, um, and, and how, is it, uh, how is it affecting the steps that you make in your artistic career now? Oh, gosh. What have I learned? I learned that I need a bigger crew. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I learned I need a bigger crew so I don't nearly kill myself by the end of the shoot. Um, Yeah. uh, Well, it was such such an an amazing experience because something that started off as this small – little project that Wes and I started in LA of just like, I guess let's film a sketch kind of turned into something that um, involved so many other people. So the thing that it, um, that it really underlined for me is that the most important thing I think I can do in my life, at least at, at this, at this writing is, is create communities of, of, people and who and to allow them to be their most creative selves that's really my goal people ask what's your dream role in theater and like my dream role is to 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 make more communities so uh, so people like vn cox can get an emmy nomination i mean that's just so cool i can't believe it's wild that. it's wild <laughs> she's been a hero of mine for so many years and the fact that now she's my friend and that we got to and also that carolee carmelo who plays my mom in the show she won the indie series award for mm-hmm. her work on the show and so the fact that i we got to give a platform to people so they can shine that um is one of the biggest things for me and it's um only encouraged me to keep writing things to uh so you know wes and i have uh we have a movie right now that we wrote that's in pre-production and so we have a finished screenplay and we have a production company that's just beginning to work on it we just secured our lead um and it's beginning stages so i can't really say any more than that other than we are working to make this movie um uh, also, uh, I work with Ben Fankhauser and the two of us have written a musical that's going to be, I mean, timing is obviously very in flux, um, because of current events, but the, uh, plan is that that musical is going to be off Broadway this fall. And that musical very much deals with women who have been told that they are no longer relevant. Um, and it deals with many other things too, but that's one of the central themes of the show. So, uh, so what it's done is encouraged me to keep writing really. I think uh, adding to that though, before indoor boys even started, 
Well, when Wes and I first made that first episode, <laughs> I was just telling a story to a friend the other day, but I said to him, he said, okay, now what do we do with this? We can contact these people and we can get it on this and we can do, we can try to work with this reporter and all these things. What I said to Wes was, or we can hide it and make sure no one ever sees it. That's another idea I just had is we can hide it, lock it in a vault and we can um, hide and, um, and make ourselves small. And well, something that <laughs> something that Wes really did for me was he encouraged me to no it's yes it's imperfect but we have to put it out there and in putting it out there we can make it grow in putting it out there we can become better artists so what Indoor Boys really did for me was it gave me the uh, confidence to keep writing and to keep believing that my stuff deserves to get out there and that it will if I keep working at it. And you know what? One door might close, something might fall apart, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to fall apart. It doesn't mean that my door is going to close. I'm just going to go looking for other doors and I'm going to keep banging on them until I get my stuff out there. It doesn't have to be on the biggest platform. It doesn't have to be the most widely seen thing, but I'm going to make the thing because the best thing about being a writer is no one except for me can stop me from writing. You know, yeah. when, when you're an actor, it's a lot easier for someone to be like, you can't act, get out of here. <laughs> you know, that's, ugh, it's, it's so, so many of my therapy sessions have just been about that. Um, but when I'm a writer, the person who tells me I get to write is me. And the person who, who jumpstarts my creativity is me or my writing partner giving me the life that I need for that day and vice versa. So that's the biggest thing Indoor Boys did for me is it inspired me to keep going. And so we have kept going. And so keep a lookout for um, one of the many other projects that um, we are developing. And I, I hope that we can get it out there and I hope that people can see it, though I have nothing specific to uh, plug at this moment. <laughs> well, we have been picked up by Here TV and Amazon and it's now, we're now streaming on Amazon Prime. So oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I'm here to help you out. Um, and that's another thing. That's another thing, Alex, is like, speaking of communities, right? Like there was one, one day I walked past, I think it was the Brooks Atkinson. And you and I locked eyes. And I remember in that moment, I was like, we're going to be friends. Because I knew who you are from like our just like life, you know, we have mutual friends and like similar like things in our history in regards to like where we, you know, whatever. And um, I was like, I know we're going to be friends and I know we're going to work together. And then like, I think it was like maybe a few days later, I photographed Wes backstage of SpongeBob and I had brought up to him being like, you know, I, I, he was like, what do you do? What do you, what's what, you know, the, the West conversation. And, um, and I was like, you know, I'm a photographer and actor, but I'm, I'm looking to produce stuff. He's like, oh, okay, well, you know, I have these, I have a few projects, so, uh, just email me, we'll figure it out. And so we worked on two small projects together as a, a as me as a producer and filmmaker and one went to film festivals and that was really exciting. We got to travel together. We got, it was very exciting and very awesome, but it was, if it sometimes feels like it was like a, this really cool vetting process of like, you know, is the work that you're doing, will it fit in the indoor boys family? And what I love is that I know I made mistakes as a producer. I know that I, 
made decisions that worked and didn't work. But what was great about you and Wes was that you never held it against me. I understood the stakes of this situation in regards to we have to do a good job, we have to deliver. But when I failed, I felt that I was able to pick myself up and continue working without feeling like I needed to slap myself a million times. And that's because you created an incredible supportive environment and work situation. Well, I, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. But, uh, you know, and, and just so you know, I, I have never thought of you as a failure of a producer because you brought so many excellent things to the project. And I would also say that there were times that Wes and I really stumbled and uh, made mistakes. I think um, I think each season we got a little bit better about knowing, about anticipating the things we would need. And, and still, there was a lot more we could have done to make X, Y, and Z run smoother or to, uh, yeah, or, or some creative decisions I wish we'd had the time to make or... But, but every time you make something, you uh, look back on that thing. And if you just see, I, I, I see the ways that I'm proud of that, but I also see the ways in which we really uh, can do better now. And that just means that we're growing as artists because every experience we, you have makes you just a little bit better at that thing. I look at the very first episodes of season one of Indoor Boys and you know, though there's some great stuff, we have some great people in them. And I just think the story's about nothing. It's just about nothing until like the last, I don't know, until halfway through season one, because Wes and I had no idea what we were writing about. We were just like, should we make another episode? Okay. And it took us a minute to figure out what the heck this thing was about. And I feel that's very reflected at the beginning of season one. I can't watch those because they're about nothing. But um, there's there's a lot of things. What's that? All you need is the Vaseline on the uh, on the camera, and then you have Drag Race season one, basically. Oh so. my god, yes! I really do feel like that's my Drag Race season one. <laughs> but I just hope that means that each time we make something, it becomes a little more self assured. It becomes a little more thought out. We have more people there to help create the thing. So, really, what? Um, indoor boys did for me was make me into a better artist and and hopefully i can just be a better leader in the next project that's that's my goal is just to improve a little bit create more community and write more things for fabulous women there's like an (laughs) invisible hyphen when it comes to multi-hyphenating and that's being a leader Mm -hmm. and and establishing um an environment like in my studio i'm the leader of that of that when i'm a producer I have to I have to make sure that you are okay. Wes is okay. That all these women that we're talking about that I've watched in Cinderella and you know and the Scarlet Pimpernel and all of these yeah. amazing things that you know that were my best friends growing up when I didn't have any like that I have to protect them. I'm the leader of that. I, what I do, you know, I, I having Carolee Carmelo and Harada and Van Cox sitting on my bed catching up about life right. was the the gayest moment of my life and it was <laughs> the best because that was something that i dreamed about in middle school and high school are you kidding me i, oh. I never expected that to, and then bam so it goes back a little bit what you were thinking about before like is this my life am i deserving of this and we are because we're taking those steps 
to make those things happen. We trust ourselves enough and and the things that we're afraid of when we put things out into the world, like what you were saying is like where we could hide this, uh, they happened, you know, there, yeah. there were, yeah, there were messy things that happened to us, but look what happened three seasons in a huge fan base, a big environment of artists that will come to our beck and call whenever we need them and streaming on Amazon and sweep the indie series and it's an emmy nominated series bam well you know, just put your stuff out there you know well you know and not everything has to you know win awards for it to be worthy of being made too right of course that, of course that uh as long as you're as long as you feel good and you as long i feel like making stuff just gives you a sense of purpose and that's the thing i need most especially in pandemic land is I, I just need to feel like there's a reason to get up every morning. Um, I'd also say that like uh, that on the being a leader stuff, that stuff didn't come quite as easily to me at first because as an actor, especially I, I've been so used to being this um, submissive uh, <laughs> for lack of a better word, sometimes abused and used follower of whomever is, enacting their vision. I think from having so many, um, not to say I didn't also have good teachers, but I had some really destructive teachers in my life, like abusive teachers. And I think that also taught me how not to be. Um, it taught me that I need to help create a different kind of environment when I am put in that position. And I think about it all the time. Like I remember when, um, uh, what a few months ago when that great video came out um, great when that shocking video came out of that boy uh lucas some luke G gage is that his name i'm sorry fact check me on that he's the one who had an audition who oh yeah and the and the director uh said um he said something like oh look at this kid's shitty apartment you know and uh and then the boy was like um i can still hear you all right i'm gonna do my audition now and it just um, reiterated for me how much I want to make sure I do things differently. I never want to take any kind of position of power for granted. And I always want to make sure that I can be the, yes, I, I want to enact my creative vision, but I also want my vision to be completely informed by the artists that I have around me so I can create a totally collaborative experience. And I want to be the best parent that I can be so everybody has a safe space in which to do their art and feel completely free instead of feeling shut down from being yelled at or from being um, uh, told to do things one way. It must be this way and do it like that. Get out of my face, which I've heard before. Um, that's not the way that anybody is creative. That's, that's just never how it works. But if we um, gave space, a structured space, but if we gave space for people to express whatever they want to express, then new and surprising things can come up and we can all um, build off of that and create something better. So I try to do that more and more each time. I continue to, uh, I, I will continue to, uh, try to be a better leader as I am put in positions of leadership, as I create positions of leadership for myself. I only, I only hope I can keep doing that. I just have to keep working my ass off. That's really what I have to and do. 
there's a beautiful direct correlation to what we were talking about in the beginning of the episode, and that was having a an openness and an allowance with our families and our environments to be able to be messy and create from a very early age. Yeah. And that is, we have to keep cycling that energy with our creative environments, with when we're on set, with when we're writing, is allowing us to be messy with no judgment and no get out of my face, you know, authoritarian, totalitarian sort of vibe. Yeah. And, uh, but let it be free. And that's exactly who you are, Alex. I've, Uh, I've, I've felt that, you know, ever since we first met and started working with each other and, uh, this conversation was amazing. And, um, you know, we have to wrap, but is there anything that you want the, the listeners to know where to find you and, uh, Anything you want to plug, now's the time. Um, I would say you can watch Indoor Boys at, um, yeah. at, at Here TV. That's the new place to watch it. We're really excited to be a part of, a part of that. Um, a great LGBTQ platform. And uh, keep a lookout for a musical that I've got coming out in the fall. And, um, and in terms of following me on social media, I just recommend that you don't. <laughs> and that's um really that's really it and i would say to anyone out there just like keep keep making things because that's that's for me that's joy and Bay i want heart. you to make me happy <laughs> and it's about me so make me happy <laughs> make me happy i'm an artist i want everything give it to me right. why am i not bell why yeah <laughs> Oh my gosh, thank you so much for listening today. Please follow, subscribe, like, comment, rate. It really, really, really helps. And catch up on all, uh, if you're new, catch up on all the the previous episodes. There are some incredible guests that I've um, been able to talk to. And I'm forever grateful to the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, Thank you, Dory and Alan, Britt, Katie, Stan, Yo. The whole team is absolutely incredible. And I'm forever thankful that I'm a part of the Broadway podcast family. Again, uh, please follow on social media at the Michael Kushner or at Dear Multi Hyphenate, and you'll get lots of exclusive content, and it's absolutely fabulous. Have a great day, night, whenever you're listening to this, whatever, wherever, whoever. I love you all. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.